I'm Dan Orlovsky. When I'm looking for safety, I always take the extra steps and listen to Chris and Case on the Detroit Lions podcast. Lions with it, second and goal from the eight. Down six, but on the move. Chris, working from the gun, looks out to the right, now checks out that Viking defense. Takes the snap, back to pass, looks right, got Case in the end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions! That's it, packs the bag, starts the plane, this game is over! How big is that? And now it's time to start the Detroit Lions podcast. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast, your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who wish they had as much face time with Cooter as Matthew Stafford. Chris and Case. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast. This is episode 199. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris. And with me is my good friend and co-host, Case. How you doing, man? Good, Chris. Um, it, People may have picked up on it over the years here, but I'm a pretty big nerd. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and today we, we're bringing on my... Uh, an, an early arch nemesis of mine on the show to talk, Justin Rogers. Um, and, and and if you're familiar at all with, with comic books, you know kind of the history of, of uh, heroes teaming up with arch nemesis for the for the greater good. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on here. Well, we got our own Batman versus Superman. All right, today's show, we're going to have some talk about the Matthew Stafford contract. What does it mean? How does it kind of lay out for the team? And we're going to have a nice, long chat with Justin Rogers. whole lot more in today's big show. It's a great show. Case, you ready to go, my man? It's probably more like Lex Luthor and Superman or, or Magneto and the X-Men. But you, you're on the right track. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right, time for a couple of quick announcements. First, check us out and help us out on the Patreon. Special thanks to Dylan from Guam. Ooh. Of course, our very first donor, Mathis and Brian B. from I Prevail, iprevailband.com. Check them out. They've got a new album coming out. Trauma. Make sure you see that. It's not out yet, but keep an eye out for that. You can join the Patreon crew at patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Get access to the wicked Slack chat, the most intelligent chat on the internet. You see our pre-show show. We get some Patreon backdoor access for our on the website and a whole lot more. Again, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all that great stuff. Give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast. And check us out on the Twitter cheese at D.E.T. Lions podcast, D.E.T. Lions podcast, the very best place to see case. Testing my x-ray vision. <laughs> Subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash Detroit Lions podcast, youtube.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. And go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you find us and give us that review. We love those five star reviews. Uh, if you have something you'd like to talk about with the show, use the survey that we talk about or the subreddit. That's where we really engage in that conversation about how we can tune this up for you. Give us a call on Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. Leave a message. You get a chance to hear yourself on the show. 
tighten your chin straps, kids. It's time to review This Week in Reddit. All right, it's time to talk about all the fun and exciting things going down this week in Reddit. And just hit on it one more time, maybe one or two more times. We want you to answer the first annual Detroit Lions podcast listener survey. Head on over to DetroitLionsPodcast.com, and there's a survey button up on that main menu. A lot of you folks came. Thank you so much. This helps our show a lot, helps us craft what you're looking for. It takes it beyond the comments and the other places where we're working with you guys on how to make the show better. So thank you all for your input so far. Just a, a short time left here for the rest of you to get your thoughts heard. All right, we want to talk right off the top. There's a whole lot of talk about Matthew Stafford these days. Um, some people are talking that he's he's in Dallas already, Case. I don't know if you heard that, but he's already there. He's, he, his plane's already landed. Wheels down. Kelly picked a house. They're making another set of twins, the whole thing. Though, that may be fake news. Uh, this is kind of a, a funny thing because there's a whole lot of uh, talk going on, but Matthew Stafford's contract makes that a little bit prohibitive, doesn't it? It really does. It really, really does. And it's why I'm not buying into any, any of that. Um, so that everybody knows where I'm coming at, you know, from this, my own personal bias. Um, I, I don't think I'm not going to buy into the outlier that this last season was, you know, Matthew Stafford going forward. Um, I, it, it's a common and, and people much smarter than me, uh, which I'm not saying that's hard to find, but um, thanks for taking my line. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> have, have done, you know, analysis on, on paying for the outlier when it comes to the NFL and free agency and things like that. Um, and guys who have a down year uh, often are you're able to pick up at a cheap price, and you get over you get production from them that that far exceeds uh, you know what you would have expected. Uh, we could see that with uh, Glover uh, Glover Quinn with Golden Tate guys that we got on very good contracts. Um, then there's the opposite of that, and that's paying you know excessively for a good outlying season. Uh, and you see that all the time in the NFL. Guy has a great year going into free agency and gets paid a ton. And we've also seen that uh, with things like contract extensions for guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's, in my opinion, if you look at the 2018 season for Stafford, that's the outlier. That's not the norm. Now, that that being said. And me believing that there's a, a likelihood that he will return to uh, where he was at least, you know, 2017, 2016, um, in terms of being one of the surprisingly more consistent quarterbacks in the league. Um, I think that's the norm for him uh, at this point in his career. And I think that's what we'll see. Obviously, you know, I can't say that with 100% certainty because we could be proven very wrong. Um, but, uh, I just want to lay that groundwork before he, what I say so that if, if it comes off like I'm a, I have a bias, you feel free to you know, take that with a grain of salt. Now, the idea of trading Stafford is or cutting butt, Stafford. Is this the part where the butt comes in? Like everything in front of the butt is bull? Is that what I want to hear? Pretty much. Okay, got much. it, got it. Um, <laughs> the idea of trading or cutting Stafford financially makes zero sense at this moment in time. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times people think a trade automatically means that we'd be shipping the entirety of his contract off in this instance. That is not true. In this instance, the lines would be on the hook for most of almost entirely his, in, his contract, even if they traded him. So what you'd be doing is uh, losing Stafford. You'd, you'd probably be gaining and, and the exact number of picks, the exact, 
location of those picks, that's in that's questionable because the market is tough to predict in that area. Uh, but if you look at the you know the history of the last you know several quarterbacks who have been uh, traded or whatever, uh, Bradford, Palmer, you know those kind of guys, Stafford's getting at least two first rounders. So, I mean, and that's nothing to, you know, shake your head at, you know, that that's a solid thing, but you're giving up um, a a proven commodity Mm -hmm. in order for, you know, the, the unknown in a big way. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. This whole proven commodity thing, especially in this year of quarterbacks, right? There's, there's nothing out there that we want. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. If there, and if there was a guy who was, you know, a, a somewhat sure thing, a generational looking talent, there's no way he'd be available when we were picking at, at number eight to begin with. You so unless we were trading, unless we were trading to a team that was willing to give us, you know, one of the top, you know, three teams, which isn't going to happen. You do what the Bears uh, did with Trubisky, but you do it with a real talent, right? Is that what right. you're saying? Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um, but. Uh, uh, okay, so, you know, okay, granted, you get a couple picks, but one of the major benefits, one of the big things that everybody is so in love with all these young quarterbacks on their rookie contracts, uh, the, the Jared Goffs, the, the, even the Mitchell Trubisky's of the world who are, you know, we malign pretty heavily on this show. Um, he gets propped up somewhat unreasonably in other areas. Uh, but one of the main benefits of that guy is that you're able to spend that money elsewhere. We aren't in that position where we would be a team that could spend that money elsewhere because we would still be spending money for at least the next two years on uh, the franchise-level money on a quarterback plus the new rookie. So we don't get that, that advantage that other teams in the similar situation get mm-hmm. where they are able to use that money uh, to boost other areas of their team to the point where... Uh, you know, you have a you have a situation like Seattle had uh, with Russell Wilson early in his career, where he got to play with the best defense in the league and a really solid running game. If we if we picked up a rookie right now and and ship Stafford off, we wouldn't be in that position, it, and it would take at least a few years before we had an opportunity to even imagine being in that position. So it does, just doesn't make sense. Um, what makes sense, and and like I said, you, you heard my thoughts on Stafford, and I, I honestly, you know, I know that this is seems like a minority opinion at this point, but I, I will not be surprised in the least if in a couple of years we're already talking about Matthew Stafford getting another extension. But, and that's going to, ruffle some feathers around you know people i'm sure uh but the point is we don't have the luxury that other teams had in that situation right now to do that in a couple years if you have failed to build sufficiently around stafford then it makes sense then it makes sense after 2020 we have a good out uh, we have a, we could cut him or trade him, uh, possibly get some picks. Uh, the dead cap space is only about ten mil, which is still a lot, but it's not like what it is right now, where it, it it's almost we actually lose money if we unload him this year. Right. So it it he's the quarterback for the next two years. There's really no other way around it. Even if he has another down year, 
It's not going to be till after 2020 when anything makes logical sense. Now, that doesn't mean they couldn't uh, draft a guy in the later rounds this year. doesn't mean they couldn't draft a guy in the mid-rounds next year. Um, but assuming that there's any realism at all to the, the Lions trying to move him right now, it would be such incredibly bad business sense because um, if they if they try to take that risk on a young guy, they don't get the same advantages that any other team uh, in recent history has had success with a young quarterback gets. And and what's the point at that point? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And the other part of it is, I mean, just just look around the league right now. Okay, free agency is about to start. Um, how how fertile is that garden of quarterbacks that you choose from in free agency? What is the team that puts their guy out there and let lets him go? There's Kirk Cousins. We saw he was he was the best product in in probably years that made his way to free agency, and um, you kind of saw what happened in Minnesota with him. Um, who's who's the I guy? I feel like we need to start playing uh playing a. Africa by Toto, and I, and I don't mean to like, <laughs> but blessing the rains down in Africa because that's about the that's it's it's a barren situation. So <laughs> that's like one of my Amazon segues, dude. That was terrible. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take the loss. Uh, big old L on my forehead over here. But it's the truth, right? So if if you think that moving Stafford on right now, especially with the cap hit, so so nobody puts a guy out there for trade. Um, with, with with at least a quarterback, not a good quarterback, and then you get a guy like Kirk Cousins who's been able to manipulate his way through the the contract situation in the NFL as a master, right. better than anyone ever has, and hats off to him for that. Um, but who hasn't really? I wouldn't say has made the the Vikings better. Um, nope. what what's your plan, right? How how does it work? It just doesn't. This is your guy for at least until the next draft, at least. And uh, that's the only place you're going to pick someone up. I think that when it comes to quarterback in the NFL, you do what the Bears did for Trubisky, but you do it with a real talent. And that's that's your only hope to get a long-term solution. And um, so just get off the trade Stafford train. He's not going anywhere. No one's this dumb from a business perspective. And if you look around the league, no one no one's making moves like that. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, even if you look at the Joe Flacco situation, um, that made, while I don't think Lamar Jackson is the long-term you know, future in the NFL, it made more sense because they didn't lose a lot by shipping off Joe Flacco. It, it made sense in, in, in several logical levels for them to move on. That is not the situation the Lions are in. Yeah, and that's actually really great because that's the other quarterback, that the, the more recent one that that moved around, and I uh, had forgotten about that. Flacco's a great example. Do you, do you want Joe Flacco? And that's the talent level of the guy that's that's moving on right now, and he's the only one that they're they're letting go. So um, that's that. It's it's just, just kind of let it go, right? <laughs> Move let on. And start start scouting quarterbacks in the in the in college if that's where you're where you're at and, and you can go from there. Uh, I guess we we do have to talk really quick. That being the case, Matthew Stafford's going to be around for a while. Um, still a great opportunity to get yourself a nice number nine jersey. And how would you do that? Well, gosh, you would head over to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on the Fanatics link. Go get all of your college 
gear, pro football gear, hockey, baseball season starting, spring training's kicking off, the hoops is going on, you can get all that great stuff. Anything you need sports-related is there. DetroitLionsPodcast.com, click on the Fanatics link and use that to get your Matthew Stafford jersey and whatever else. Do they else have AAF? Do they have, they have uh, fleet? Yes, yes. Gear? Yeah, yeah, there that's, you go. that's the way to get it, my friend. All right, um, there's one thing we do need to talk about uh, also. Uh, we've got a guest we're going to have on here shortly. We want to bring him in. But uh, Glover Quinn, um, our, our sadness and lamentations about um, him being basically dropped, right? He was he was cut from the team. I don't know that he's looking to retire. I don't know that anyone's going to pick him up. Um, this is one of those situations where you have to separate the, the player from the business because Glover Quinn is a great guy around town, a great guy on the team, a great person in general. And uh, it sucks that we're at this point where it does make the most business sense to part ways. If I had to make a list of my top five lines uh, since my time as a fan, like 2006, 2007, he easily makes a list of the top five. Um, just the that level of consistency, the underrated, you know, uh, ball hawking and just the understanding of a defense and, and the veteran leadership that he was able to bring um, and, and build other guys up, uh, played a role in the development of Slay and, and several other guys. He, uh, if we can find another guy like that at some point, like, and, and, and he was the perfect signing at that time. And, and, and it's exactly the blueprint of how I like to see a team go about free agency, signing a guy coming off uh, in their mid to late 20s, but still in their prime. Those are the guys I love to target. Guys that don't necessarily get the name recognition yet, but uh, but are truly solid contributors that you can sign on a reasonable contract for a long term. It it was perfect. It, yeah. it was perfect of 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 the most value per dollar the Lions have gotten out of players um, on you know non rookie contracts. He's right near the top. One of the best free agency moves that Martin Mayhew ever made. Yeah. Sure. For sure, for sure, absolutely. All right, uh, a couple of things we, we want to talk about here. Um, scheduling notes. We will be doing a show next week, but the week after, Case is traveling and I'm traveling. And for both of us to get our gear to where we need to to be able to do this remotely, double remotely, uh, isn't going to fly. So uh, don't worry, we're, we're here with you. Uh, next week, we'll drop on the 26th. We'll have a show for you. And then the first week of March, no show. Um We'll be we'll get you heading into the combine, and uh, maybe we'll put together a little quick takes or some thoughts along the way. Do it on the on the YouTube rather than on the podcast feed, so you guys can get some thinking out of us, and and we'll do something that way. But uh, sorry about that. That's a, just a scheduling thing that we had. Also, play with the podcast is back. Check us out on Xbox. It's Det Lions Podcast is the uh, the gamer tag, and uh, playing a heckload of. I don't know why I said heckload, whatever, of uh, Apex Legends right now. Great, 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 great game. So that's a good one. And lastly, before we get to our wonderful guest, I want to talk about uh, DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Some some really good writing starting up again. We're doing a a little bit of a change on the formatting of what we're doing and the content. I think you guys will be really supportive and like how that's changing, how that's evolving. We're going to get some of the guys on to talk. Ash Thompson's one of the favorites. Uh, He's our capologist and... uh, uh, strategic regionist as well, <laughs> big strategy guy, and uh, brings a lot. We'll have him on the show here very shortly as well to talk about some stuff. If you're looking to get some writing cred and uh, you're starting out, maybe you're a journalism student or you want to write about the Lions, hit us up at contact at DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Give you a shot. We've got guys who've gotten uh, 
college credit as interns, internships, that kind of thing. And uh, we've got a lot of guys started off on on careers who've made it off to Lions Wire and some other uh, excellent places. We're a great way for you writers and young writers who really have a taste for writing for Lions and want to get going. Uh, we'll give you a great shot with a professional set of tools and a great atmosphere to get you coached up. Email address is contact at DetroitLionsPodcast.com, and uh, we'll, we'll get you set up if you have some interest. With that, I think it's time to talk to probably the best journalist that we have covering the Lions in Detroit. Time for a different kind of breakdown with today's special guest. All right, what a great guest we got. It is Detroit News Lions beat writer Justin Rogers, one of our favorites. The Probably our favorite. I, I, I don't want to get his head too big here, but he hasn't been here since episode 10. We, we, we've been on a break. Uh, back then, he was the M Live beat writer. How are you doing, Justin? Welcome to the show, man. I, I think 189 episodes has uh, given us enough time to, to heal all wounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe next time it'll be 198. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. All right, all right. Let me let me start off strong with uh, a question that comes out of your Twitter profile. Um, I noticed that on the profile you say you own Kyle Mikey, and I think we really need some explanation here because there's there's probably a couple a couple layers. Of ownership. Yeah, well, I think anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that that I own Kyle Meinke. I, I think that is is just kind of a, a constant state of existence. But um, I, I think you're assuming directly currently to the uh, the domain name KyleMeinke.com, which um, I, I don't really remember the exact details. We were, I think we were just kind of randomly looking up Lions player name domains because I know a lot of people do the squatting. So I was just curious, like what was available out there and um a side note i think mattpatricia.com was available and fairly cheap too like five or six hundred bucks but uh as i was quietly searching i found that uh kylemikey.com could be had for a <laughs> solid twelve dollars <laughs> and so as i sat there and giggled and plugged in my credit card information um yeah, i i made that purchase I've made a lot of threats on what to do with that purchase, but uh, <laughs> haven't really had the time. So currently, it just redirects my Detroit News. Well, if you need profile, help, you, ju- you just let me know because the profile. I, I'm, I'm there right now, right? It goes right to like your, we, your we face the whole thing. If we, if we wanted to, but. <laughs> it's awesome. That that is that is ideal. And just just I've I've looked up a couple other people's name as a result, and I'm I'm. I've thought, I've thought, but you own this. This is yours, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you play with it. Let's talk about lion stuff. Um, you're sitting there in the dungeon of doom. I guess we can talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, you're talking with coaches, players, the whole thing on the regs, and free agency is is kicking off here, real, real shortly. I uh, would like to get some of your thoughts on where they might go, some of the players they're looking at, and maybe some of the strategy behind it. Who do you think right now, if you were to look at all the folks coming available, who's the guy that you think are the most likely to grab? It's a great question. Um, you look at the the group of free agents coming out, and it's it's not a particularly uh, sexy class. You know, we're we're really strong right now, and um, you know, happens to, to overlap with with a big lines need is is pass rush, but we still have this big franchise tag window, and I I think we're going to see a lot of the the top names on this market come off in terms of uh, DeMarcus Lawrence and, and D Ford, maybe Clowney will, will be tagged in, in Houston. So it's going to thin out that group. It's going to drive up their price tags really quickly. Um, you know, but the Lions have uh, a pretty good amount of money to work with. 
you know, we don't have the, the set cap space currently, so we don't have exact figures, but it's looking like, um, as, as we speak, the, the lines are sitting at about somewhere between 35 and 38 million to work with. Um, you know, they still have that, that TJ Lang decision. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody reasonably expects him to be on the roster. So that's going to clear up another 9 million outside of maybe a restructure for, you know, significantly lower salary with maybe some playing time bonuses. Uh, I think that's still possibly in play because he wants to be here. Um, and then you start looking at the Lions' needs. They really have needs across the board. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> they need, need like seven tight ends, uh, a guard, you know, running back to complement, carry on. Uh, as I mentioned, edge rusher. I think you could make an argument maybe less or so with the linebacking depth. And then, uh, you know, cornerback uh, is, is definitely a spot where they really need that that number two option opposite of Darius Lake because they haven't found that guy despite, you know, some some efforts over the last few years. Um, in terms really good of question. specific guys. Do you think yeah. maybe a $17 million one-year deal for Ziggy Ansah is a good idea this year? <laughs> That's probably not a great idea. Okay, um, I'm just going to cross that off the list here to be sure. I thought maybe it would, would be. Yeah, you know, okay. people oh, good. people always ask about Ansa, and they and they, they, I think there's still this this hope from fans that, you know, maybe they could get him on this super bargain one year deal where it's tied to his performance or, or games played. And uh, listen, somebody's going to pay him on this market. I don't think he's going to get the, the big money. Maybe he once was won't get because of the uh, three straight years of durability issues, but you know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to accept a $2 million deal with a million extra per sack or half a million extra per game. You know, it, it's just not likely. And at this point, you know, lines have, have tried it. They've tried it a couple of years and um, it, it hasn't worked out. And I think at some point you you look at the the risks you've taken and with the injury guys, with, with the Anzas and Langs, and you, you see that you're not getting the full value for the dollar. And it's just got to be time to move on with those guys. You got to try something different, uh, whether it's the draft or free agency. So I, 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 I say this not lightly, but I, I almost see zero chance that the Anzas Detroit. It just yeah. makes sense now to, to go a different direction there. And so when people are looking at this market, I think the uh, top guy that, that everybody's drawn to for very obvious reasons for the Patricia connection, for the, the need and the fit. And, you know, in, in reality, probably um, uh, a slightly less dollar amount than, than what you'd see for for a guy like Lawrence, it's going to be Trey Flowers. You know, yeah, the sack numbers aren't there. I think that's what's maybe going to ultimately suppress the overall contract for him on the open market. But the guy gets a ton of pressure. Mm-hmm. He's got familiarity with, with the coach. Um, and pressure so, is something that was a problem for us this last year. It feels like we would our sack numbers as a team would be higher if we were able to put some pressure in there and get that pocket to start folding in on, on somebody. Right, it just seemed like they had put up a nice wall, and we didn't have anybody that could kind of break in and punch into that wall and start creating that that kind of havoc you need to allow someone to get at the sack. Yeah, see, it's it's a funny thing, stats. You know, people will say, well, you can bend stats to to whatever you want to say as a media member, but you know, the teams gladly do it as well. And the Lions have multiple times after the season held up their their sack numbers, and they were way more impressive than. Um, you know, what we probably anticipated going into the season. I, I think 43 was their, their final mark somewhere right in that ballpark, put them uh, in the middle of the pack. But if you look at the the pressure rate, and it's a subjective measure, it's 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 tough to say what's pressure to one guy is maybe not 
another, but you know, collectively across the different metrics that measure pressure, the the lions are consistently near the bottom, bottom five, bottom ten, and pressure is what forces bad decisions from quarterbacks. It's it's rushed throws, it's inaccurate throws, and ultimately, if, if you're doing it correctly and you're doing it consistently, it's what leads to turnovers. And listen, that's where the lions were really struggling as a defense last year. As, as much as they got things together, the, the turnovers weren't there. And so um, th- that, I think, is where a, a defensive end, an edge rusher, can, that can bring consistent pressure will, will solve some of those problems. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. When you were talking back about Ziggy and that million-dollar sack number, I'm feeling with a number like that, even you and I in, in case could probably get four to five sacks a year. <laughs> I mean, crawling under some of those six, eight offensive lineman legs and hoping the quarterback holds on the ball. Maybe I don't know. That <laughs> kind of money to get, get a man to do some crazy things. There's those plays where like a tight end will fall down and then get up and run. I, it'd be like that with me as a defensive end. I just, you know, like let the guy knock me down and pretend I'm done and then get back up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Attempt to take down a guy much bigger than me at quarterback. So, <laughs> So let's talk about that. So Trey Flowers is everyone's is high on him. You feel the likelihood is high for the fit here, uh, knowing what you know about the team, or are we still in a wait and see mode? Because he's probably going to be a little bit expensive. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think any edge rusher that is competent, durable, proven is is going to be. You're talking. Oh, I don't know. Probably in the ballpark of fifteen million per season. I mean, that's just the reality of of the market. You know, I look back to when. Um, Vernon signed with the Giants and uh, again that was a guy that didn't maybe have the greatest sack numbers but he did a lot of other things well he was good at setting the edge he was good at getting pressure and I don't again I don't remember the exact figures but uh, it was toward top dollar for for defensive ends at the time 17 18 million and that was three four years ago so the market's gone up uh, even higher so um, you know 15 million per season might be a, a bargain for somebody like Flowers and Again, if if Lawrence or or Ford or Clowney are are off the market and he's the cream of the crop, it's it's only going to drive his price tag up. Because listen, as much as Lions fans want him, you know there's going to be six, seven other teams competing, driving up those bids. There's going to be the Titans that have the the connection that also need an edge rusher. Everybody needs edge rushers. I mean, that's just the way it works. Right. Um, And the one team that I think probably is the the least likely is is maybe the Patriots. You know, they're they're just they've proven year after year that they're not going to overpay for that position. They think they can manufacture and produce an edge rush without it. They let go of Chandler Jones, who was I think an even more talented player, although you know some off field troubles. And listen, they've they've won Super Bowls without Chandler Jones, so um, they they clearly know what they're doing over there. Yeah, um, and actually, you bring up a good point because you say you know the Patriots might be the least likely guy to spend money on on uh, Trey Flowers on that position. Um, but uh, doesn't that mean that maybe Patricia's of the same mindset? Yeah, it's, I certainly wouldn't dismiss that. You know, I think um, you know as much as Matt Patricia wants to distinguish himself from not being Bill Belichick, right? He does so many things that are. Belichickian right. in, in terms of organizing his practice and, and how he deals with players, deals with his meetings, deals with the media. Um, you know, so, it, but I also look at Bob Quinn, who, you know, would arguably be following from that Belichickian philosophy of, of building a roster. And 
he's bucked it a little bit. I don't want to say a lot, but, you know, I think he's paid to retain some of his own guys a little bit more aggressively than maybe a Belichick would in terms of Darius Slay, Theo Riddick, Sam Martin back in, you know, a couple of years back, mm-hmm. obviously um, paying Matthew Stafford top dollar for, for the quarterback position. And then even in free agency, you know, aggressively pursuing guys, um, you know, Rick Wagner, Marvin Jones, paying them uh, top dollar for the market that season, TJ Lang. So I, I don't think, you know, Quinn more so than, than Patricia has shown a willingness sure. to, to break out of the, the Patriot way mold, but I don't know how much he's, he's been brought back, I guess, to that mean with, with, with Patricia's influence now in the building and, and really having a big hand in those decisions. Sure. And this will be, you know, a test for that. Cause last year we saw, you know, pretty modest spending in free agency. Kennard was, was their big crown jewel, I guess, of the class and three years, 17 millions, pretty, pretty modest spending. Yeah, sure. Um, I got another guy that I want to ask you about, and he's a guy that a lot of Lions fans really wanted us to take a few years ago. And um, ultimately it was good that we didn't. Uh, but at the same time, there is, there has been some development, you know, through his career here. Um, that's cornerback uh, Darquez Denard. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think that he's a, he would be a good fit, as the you know um number two in this system you know he got off to a as you mentioned a a pretty rough start to his his career um you know the one thing i can say about uh the way patricia's defenses were constructed in new england is that typically the the two cornerbacks played a very different skill set you had the the speed guy which would be darius slay and then you had the (laughs) the physical guy and you know i think they wanted Tease Tabor to badly be that guy. Obviously, right. they brought in Shed last year with some of that, um, you know, kind of profile. So Denard, you know, it, it kind of fits that that brand of football. He's, he's a physically uh, aggressive guy. You know, I don't know if um, you know, certainly isn't a playmaker. You know, I think that's right. probably three interceptions in his career isn't exactly like, you know, oh. we, we complain so much about as Lions fans complain so much about loss and, and, you know, not coming away with picks. Denard isn't going to be like a pick a week type of guy. So. And not only that, I mean, he, I don't think he's ever had more than five or six pass breakups sure. in a season. So he's not getting his hands on a lot of balls. Um, you know, I have to look deeper into some of the completion percentages, but um they're going to have to get a cornerback and they're probably gonna have to get two. you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see one in free agency and, and one in, in the draft, yeah. uh, possibly very early in the draft, you know, mm-hmm. who knows when we'll get to that talk, but yeah, you know, I think a cornerback is in play at number eight. I really do. Sure. Uh, depending on how the board falls in front of them. But uh-huh. um, you know, I think they'd really like to see a guy that, that is more of a aggressive playmaker with that physical element to their, their skill set. See, that's, um, you know, Lawson's clearly got the physicality, but no playmaking. That's, that's what I was talking about last week. Great, greedy at eight is a possibility. He's, I think, he's definitely on the table because of the whole situation with cornerbacks. Let me ask you about one more guy out there, uh, Morris Claiborne. I, he's a guy I, I, I liked to Denard, and he never lived up to what I, I thought he would be and what I expected. Morris Claiborne's a guy that's that's he's not terrible. He, what do you think of him as a number two? How do you think he fits compared to Denard and and what he might bring? Uh, across from Slay. Yeah, it was a guy that I mean, maybe also has taken a little bit longer to to develop than mm-hmm. um, you know people expected. I mean, you're talking about a a former first round pick, top ten, correct? Yeah, yeah. 
and um, you know didn't work out in Dallas. Got bounced there, and he's put another two decent seasons with the Jets. Uh, you know, I think last year was was his best season in terms of uh, certainly a playmaking perspective. He's he's seasoned. He's not too old. You know, he's he just turned uh, 29 according to the little bio I worked up. So I think he's still. Um, you know, got a few good years left in him at that position before the the speed starts to decline. So, yeah, if the, if the price tag is right, you know, I don't I don't think he's by any means considered the top of this class, top of this market. So, you probably can find a a reasonable deal in there for you know that that two to three year range and. Uh, you know, keeping yeah, it under that, that $5 million a year mark. Yeah, because and, and you're right. Absolutely. I'm looking at the the draft as a serious place to look for a guy because, look, Slay's not he's not old, but he's not young. But there's a point here where he is going to fall off and you want to get somebody in place, especially if you're developing them. It takes a couple of years on typically to get a, a cornerback up to speed to be able to play that that position in the NFL. So it makes sense to start thinking about that now and start using Slay as, as kind of that mentor role. But let me ask you something that's related to that with the Lions. And it's something we believe we've noticed and want to get your, your input on. With Denard and Claiborne, part of what maybe limited them in their careers was was their athleticism and their ability. But part of it, you know, you can often look to the ability of a team to coach their players up. And often you, you bring players in that look like they're going to be really, really great performers, and then they just stagnate for whatever reason when they come in. And and one of the things we've seen and been talking about in, in a couple of the recent shows is um, the the what appeared to be the inability of the Lions staff to coach players up, to get them to improve, to even scheme around their their abilities. And we're only one year in with Patricia, and, and it takes a couple of years to really be able to see the fruits of a, a coaching staff's ability to bring players' abilities up and to coach them up. But it looks like after that one year, we're seeing it a little bit different than we have in previous regimes. Do you, would you kind of put some credibility to this coaching staff and their, and their ability to coach players up and help them become better players compared to previous or jury's still out or they're worse? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I think it's, it's too early to say that they're better or worse. I think you're, you're correct on that. And I think you look at each individual co- coaching staff and um, in particular assistants that, you know, maybe had more success than others at, at positions. You know, I think the Lions always did a good job of getting the most out of their defensive linemen uh, under, you know, Chris Kasurik. Right. He, he did a really good job of some of those those edge rushers, you know, guys like George Johnson and, and Kerry Hyder, the guys that came out of, um, you know, nowhere. So, um, you know, linebackers had some some good years under, under Sheridan. You know, I thought DeAndre Levy obviously developed into a, really good player before injuries uh, undid his career. Justin Durant was solid here. Whitehead got better and better and better the whole time he was here outside of, I think there was one season where, where his performance kind of dipped before he got moved back outside uh, to make room for Davis. So, um, you know, I, I did like some of the the development I saw with um, players under Patricia, you know, mm-hmm. I thought Kenny Galladay obviously took a, a really nice step forward, but that was the same position coach. They had been there under Caldwell. Right. Um, thought Jared Davis developed nicely yeah, with awesome. Al Goldman, the linebackers. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of room there still to grow. I, I think uh, you know. I think we still all want to see Jared Davis get better with some of his run pursuit angles, his tackling. But he made a big leap in coverage, which was a big concern. Uh, obviously, had you know the pass rushing skills that maybe we didn't quite realize that were there. That was, I think Patricia 
probably identify that closing speed and finding a way to use them. And then you look at some of the young guys like Tracy Walker and, and Deshaun Hand, you know, two guys that, that came in and made, um, I think, bigger than anticipated uh, contributions as rookies. Hand obviously was was outstanding and has a really bright future. And Walker was was a little bit more caged in his playing time, but when he was out on that field and, and what they asked him to do, he played really well. And I think there's a, a bright future there, or at least optimism there that they will continue that growth next season. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you talk about bright futures. You, you definitely think about, boy, it's, it's still the winter time and it gets dark early and you might need yourself some new lamps. <laughs> Top quality segue. Justin, now is the time where we groan at Chris's transition. I had no idea where that was going. I was like, what is happening? Well, those lamps in the dark, early, dark evenings are the only, there's only one place to get them. That's amazon.com, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, where else are you going to buy things? Right, right. I buy everything. I buy everything from Amazon. I'll be honest. Everything. That's right. Same. Head on over to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on that Amazon link, and uh, it'll take you straight to Amazon. No funny stuff. No other stuff. And uh, they say, hey, wow, Chris and Kay sent you. You guys are cool. We'll give give them guys a kickback. It's a great way to support the show by doing something you were going to do anyway. DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Click on that Amazon link. It'll take you straight there, and you can help the show out just like Justin is by not screaming over this stupid thing. <laughs> All right. So now that no, we got I that, I went and bought some stuff. So that's, that's good. See, this is time to shop. Perfect. See, this is I've got uh, one I more position I want to talk to you about, and then I and I'll kind of leave it open to you to see if there's anybody else that we haven't chatted about that you really want to pinpoint. But um, and that's the tight end position, and the way the tight end you know free agency looks right now, it's not really that particularly strong. Um, but there's one guy that I've talked about um, who is not a free agent right now but might be who I absolutely love and would love to see on the Lions, and that is Kyle Rudolph. Do you think there's any chance that that could happen? I had not heard that uh, Kyle Rudolph um, was in jeopardy of being cut or, or traded. big cap hit this year and realized sure. him a lot less this last season. So there's been chatter, but... well. Listen, I'm I'm in full agreement with you if that if Kyle Rudolph becomes available, uh, I mean, he immediately jumps way above everybody else in terms of this free agency class. I would you know, uh, think Bob Quinn should make a a very strong play for him. Um, you know, as as much sense as it makes to draft a tight end, I think we all know from hmm. um, experience of being football fans that that's a position that takes some time to develop mm-hmm. and to to really maximize so rarely does a, a rookie tight end step in and if the lions are, are serious about getting back into the playoffs this year they would it would benefit more from you know adding a veteran at that position and and maybe drafting a guy that can be groomed a little bit more slowly out you know out of the way we were talking about tracy walker last year so um yeah rudolph would make all kinds of sense of the guys that are actually available that we know you know i think pittsburgh's jesse james is, yeah, is kind of a that would yeah, uh, I agree. Low, I would what's called high floor, I guess. Um, low ceiling guy that can catch a 30, 35 balls, but is also a really good blocker and can contribute to that run game that Daryl Bevel's going to want to run. Um, you know, there's a few other more of the, the F types. And then um, the, the other one that I know the Lions were interested in last year. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to become a, a free agent. Um, no, his name is escaping me. Um, 
Help me guys. Team. 10 bit box. They'll point you in the right direction. Break. Cameron Break. Oh, sure. Yeah. I can buy that. Yeah. That was, that was another guy that the Lions were, were interested in. I, you know, when Bob Quinn was talking about trying to, to make room at the, the trade deadline to, to bring in a tight end, you know, that was my, I guess, assumption of, of what he was talking about and what he was looking at was, was sure. maybe plucking away Bray. And I think there was a, an injury that happened shortly before or after the deadline that, that put him down for the, the rest of the year. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about just, I mean, the idea of drafting a tight end just in the first round, a third one in such a short period of time. I mean, before day two starts, it's going to be pitchforks and torches around Allen Park. It's just not going to be a very popular uh, move. And I don't know if that weighs into Quinn's thinking at all, but boy, that's that definitely, it has to be difficult to make that decision uh, at number eight, or even if you trade down to you know ten or twelve or whatever, um, to take that tight end in the first round, it's just historically it hasn't been to uh, the Lions' favor. So I just don't see a great reaction to that. Whether they care about that or not, they have to at some level. Let's uh, let's think about that though. That that scenario I talked about uh, the idea of trades in the draft. Um, there's a couple of teams that maybe want uh, tight ends. Or, sorry, quarterbacks, um, and they might move up for that. Right, that's only the Lions would move up for a tight end, and maybe Chicago. Yeah, biscuit. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, the idea of moving up for a quarterback, Washington's probably out there. Maybe Miami, a couple of teams out there. What do you think the likelihood is of anybody wanting to take that number eight spot and grab a a, a quarterback? Yeah, uh, be- before I get to that, you know, I think really quickly on the on the point of whether Bob Quinn is is concerned about what fans think. You know, I don't think he can be. I think that's probably bad managerial strategy if you're worrying about what Martin Mayhew did um, to, you know, um, to let that impact your decisions as a general manager. If you think it's mm-hmm. what's best for the franchise and the way you're building it. Now, it, it's certainly historically odd for any team, not just the Detroit Lions, to to draft uh, a tight end. I think Ebron is the only one in the last dozen years or so that's been drafted inside the top 10. So, you know, I I think there's probably reasons for that. Although I do believe the tight end is a very undervalued position in the NFL. Same with safety. Talking about Um, that. I agree. Yeah. We've mentioned that, that, uh, uh, Pro Bowl tight ends are seem to be a position that uh, has been very, very common across Super Bowl winners. Um, and the other thing to think about is, there's two ways to kind of look at this. First off, you know, Bob Quinn's got to put a product in the field that people want to pay for to see, right? But by the same mm-hmm. token, it's Rod Wood's job to sell tickets. So he, you're, you're very right in, in that he may not take that into account at all. And uh, it, it, public opinion has shortened the tenure of many a GM, though. So it's something that at some level they have to they have to think about. Well, it's funny because we, at the time, you know, the, the idea was when drafting Ebron, he was going to be the Jimmy Graham of yeah, the Detroit right, Lions right. offense under Joe Lombardi. I got sold on that. I didn't. And now we're talking about TJ Hawkinson and uh, the the name being breathed to life into this discussion with um, Hawkinson is Rob Gronkowski. And I, right. I just hate when we are, are talking about, you know, all-time greats with top 10 picks. It's just putting such lofty expectations on their shoulders maybe he could be um, as good as eric ebron is with the the colts though uh, i think eric ebron <laughs> was largely as good as eric ebron was with the detroit lions but he just did a lot more damage in the red zone so you know maybe covered up some of the other flaws i might be scratching yeah. at some scabs out there at the, <laughs> i'm after here. 
So anyway, I, go, going back to your, your initial question about trading down, you know, I, I think, you know, that's probably a, a pipe dream. Not maybe pipe dreams maybe a little too aggressive, but I, I'm sure the Detroit Lions would love the opportunity to trade down. I think the the mix of talent between five and, and 20 isn't, isn't a particularly large gap. And, you know, if you were able to, to orchestrate a trade down with, with a Miami or a Washington, two teams, I think you've kind of correctly identified in that, that trade up for a QB mix, um, particularly Washington with, with their Alex Smith situation. Um, you know, certainly then a Hawkinson comes more into play, but also, you know, it still leaves that door open for the, the group of, I would say four cornerbacks, the, the, um, you know, Greedy's probably gone at that point, but I'm not entirely sure. You know, but you got Baker from from Georgia. You've got Murphy from Washington and, and Mullins from uh, Clemson. You know, the, the next three that also makes sense a little bit further down the draft board still fills a massive need and, of course, gives you that extra draft equity. And then on the other side of the coin, you know, if, if you really, really love a particular tight end, whether it's it's Hawkinson or, or Smith from Alabama or even – Hawkinson's teammate Fant, um, you know, trading up from the second round and, and moving up into either the late first or earlier in the second, similar to what they did with, with carry on Johnson last year, or, you know, another name that I guess sour for Lions fans, but, but Kyle Van Noy a few years back where they, they knew they wanted him. They, they used what they had. They gave up a little bit of resources further in the draft or future draft to go up and get the guy, uh, they wanted, I, you know, I never discourage a GM from doing that. If you if you love a guy and you feel he fits your needs, go up and get him. Don't wait. Don't right. wait for the board to follow you. Be aggressive. Get the guy you want. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, all right. So we've got uh, some coaching moves that have happened this offseason. Some guys who have been let go. Uh, or, or retired or decided just to do other th- things. Um, and, and I th- you know, we talked last offseason about the possibility of, of significant change happening uh, just because, you know, Patricia came in, there was kind of a whirlwind, they hired some guys, and, and it, was unque- it was not entirely certain about who was going to stay and who was going to go. Um, is there anyone that we've picked up, um, maybe, you know, Bevel or anything like that, or, or any, anyone we might pick up for some of the still vacant places on the team that, that you think this team might go for? Well, I have zero insight into who well, they're looking that, at yeah. for running back assistance. So <laughs> that was a tough apologize, question. fellas. <laughs> that was not an easy but, uh, boy, Neither do I. <laughs> boy, Justin, falling short expectations. Yeah. I'm putting that on the list. I, really I don't even know if, like... <laughs> I don't know if it matters. I could name, I can make up a name of a guy and be like, Oh, right. that sounds, that sounds good. I'll look him up after the broadcast. Like, Oh, he got me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm fascinated by, by the, the bevel hire. You know, I think it's a, uh, one, you know, the one thing I was hammering on throughout the season when it was becoming more and more clear that they were moving out from Jim Bob Cooter was Matt Patricia can't go out and hire another buddy. It's just going to be a bad look. I realized he had a really short time to put together the original staff, mm-hmm, right. but he hired so many guys from the Patriots and the Syracuse connections that it just looked like it was this very this, nepotistic and yeah, like, yeah, just didn't like it. And so I was, I was worried that he was going to do that again. And he really did. He went out and he got a guy that he had, you know, no clear connections to nobody on his staff had real clear connections to, um, uh, at least in a, a meaningful way. So, um, you know, that that's a real positive, I think, in my book, because I think Patricia needs people 
in this on the staff that are going to present ideas that challenge him. And he yeah. has to be open to those ideas. That's what successful coaching is about. And being a successful leader is, is yeah, you make the ultimate decision, but you take input from your, your subordinates and, and you use that to craft your, your thinking and, and even ch- be open to changing your thinking. And so that's where I think the bevel hire is important. Um, in terms of stylistically, I think it's also really interesting. You know, clearly the, the league is is drifting towards these high octane aerial attacks. You know, that we've all heard the Sean McVay jokes all throughout the season. If you had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay for you know you're you're qualified to be an offensive coordinator. Yep. Um, listen, McVay's great. Andy Reid is is a great offensive mind, um, and I think you do have to have these aggressive passing attacks to succeed in the NFL regular season. But what Matt Patricia's pointed out and, and believes in is, and rightfully so is you, you need to be able to control the clock. You need to be able to run the ball and you need to be able to stop the run to succeed in the playoffs. So you have to be both really to, to be a, a championship team. And, you know, Bevel's coached for a lot of, unique star players at the quarterback position at the running back position. He's constructed, um, you know, I would say more run oriented offenses, particularly, you know, his, his most recent stint in, in Seattle and, and that worked really well for that team, obviously. Um, so it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see the offense. He crafts, how much of it is going to be still built around Matthew Stafford's arm and how much of it is going to maybe be built around carry on Johnson and, whoever the, the, the compliment they find, because it's, you know, Karen Johnson's not going to be Adrian Peterson. He's not going to be Marshawn Lynch. He's going to be at best. And and, and I'm not saying this in a, a negative way at all. If he's Elvin Kamara, he's an awesome player. But even in New Orleans, Elvin Kamara had Mark Ingram. Right. There was that, that compliment. So I don't think you're ever going to see much more over the course of the season than averaging 20 touches for Karen. So you're going to need to find that compliment, but how is Bevel going to construct this offense to, to utilize the pieces he has? And of course we, we don't know all those pieces because you know, they still got a draft and free agency to, to put yep. it all together. Yep. All right. Let me, let me give you an opportunity for controversy here. This is one of the reasons why we love you so much because yeah. you, you don't cut corners. You, you tell it like it is. Um, you talked about the high octane offense, the big passing offense. Do you think Stafford is the guy to give us that kind of an attack in, in Detroit? I think I've said the same thing about Stafford for, for quite some time now. Basically, my my perceptions of him changed a bit over the time Cooter was here. You know, mm-hmm. I thought Stafford was was overrated by local fans for the years before that and then really kind of seemed to come into his own more as a um in terms of accuracy and um, you know, consistency uh, last year, obviously aside because last year was terrible for multiple reasons beyond him, but mm-hmm. including him, um, Matthew Stafford is a guy you can win a Super Bowl with, you know, I don't think he's going to be the quarterback that carries you. I don't think he's, you know, he's never going to put a team on his back and carry them throughout the course of a, a 16 game season and through a postseason. But if you surround him with enough pieces He's good enough. So, is that worth twenty-five million dollars a year? I mean, that's that's a debate in the NFL right now. A lot of these teams are doing it with with young guys on on cheap contracts, and the teams that end up giving bigger contracts to their quarterbacks, the Baltimore's and the Seattle's, they Green Bay. have to sacrifice other 
pieces and take step backs. Green Bay, absolutely. Yeah. So and, I mean, um, the, the key is to have a, a, a quarterback with a, a supermodel wife. Is really is really where it's at. Where he's he's like at the side job, right? And and she's the breadwinner. But it, it it is. It's it's an interesting dynamic right now. And and obviously they haven't solved for it. And you, you make a great point. I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers, who's who's. I think everyone will say he's a hell of a quarterback. He's absolutely a great great quarterback. And he has troubles carrying that team as well. You see the people that were on his team this year. And he wasn't able to to carry that team. Um, it's interesting. Is that amount of money worth it? The other side of it is is over time, um, is Stafford's contract going to kind of even out and and be kind of a mediocre contract to be to go along with kind of the guy that could win you the game um, if surrounded right by the right people? And that may be where it is when we get the people around him. I think Stafford has two more years in Detroit to to really. Um, you know, determine his future. You know, obviously, you know, all this talk of draft and trade and all that stuff, it, it makes no sense this year. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yep. The the cap ramifications are, are crazy. Um, yep. You know, that, that actually starts coming into play next year. You know, Lions could trade Stafford or, or release him and um, technically save some money next year. It wouldn't be a, to a significant amount. You know, they'd actually, you know, lose half mil by releasing him this year so yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's 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 funny and it's and it's interesting because there's there's two things that you almost have to dis- disassociate the thing there's the player and then there's the guy and around town everything you hear about the things he's done and in, in this the way he's treated the city and helped the city he's just a really really great individual great human being sure uh great player but man the business of football sometimes separates great players from the fans who love them and and it's hard. It's hard to take sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it isn't what it is when, you know, I was a kid and you, you got to watch, um, yeah, free agency was still around, but you, you got to watch more of like a team being built and, um, the grow and the chase, I guess, uh, the prime example would be the, the bad boy Pistons, you know, yeah. the, the way that yeah, was kind sure. of a slow build to, um, you know, the, the titles that they won, you know, now the pieces move so fast and teams can rise and fall so fast outside of, you know, the Patriots and Browns, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I get the the wanting of loyalty and I, I get the fact that, that Stafford is the best quarterback the Lions have had forever. But, you know, you can't you can't linger on those facts because that might not be good enough. And again, like like I said, you already committed to him for 2019. You play the season out with the new offensive coordinator. You see what direction the offense is going, and then in 2020, you face this decision: do you do you draft your your heir apparent? Do you go the the route Baltimore just did? Do you draft your Lamar Jackson and um, you know have him waiting in the wings, ready to take not. over? And well, you know what I'm saying. Maybe maybe <laughs> no, you don't like the style saying. of Lamar Jackson, but you, you draft that guy early, and you you then you, you end up shipping off. Stafford that 2020 offseason, the way that yeah. Baltimore is getting prepped yeah. to, to unload Flacco to Denver. Yeah, him absolutely. All right. Um, I don't know that that was super controversial. That was good. I think some people get get wrecked on that one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about something. It was affectionately, or maybe not so much, so by uh, Jim Caldwell, the 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 beat writers, the room there, the the press room called the Dungeon of Doom, and uh, he took on you know it took on this whole 
I don't know. It, it, you guys had a nickname, and it's great. Every team needs a nickname. It's probably the best nickname out of the Lions since the Silver Rush, but or maybe Megatron. We'll, we'll go with that. But uh, so you guys were the Dungeon of Doom, and there was this kind of uh, I'll call it standoffishness because I, I don't have my thesaurus in front of me. But between the the writers, the beat, and the uh, the, the coach, and and maybe some of the the people talking there. It's changed, though. I mean, that was almost playful, or you, you could laugh at it. It seems like this last season that this Dungeon of Doom has been a little bit more acidic, maybe caustic. Again, I don't have my uh, my uh, thesaurus here, so I'll leave it at those, and you can you can correct the the the, uh, the adjectives there. But what's the difference between that Dungeon of Doom then and what's going on now? What where, where do you see this this big shift with the new coaching staff and the beat? You know, I, I, honestly, it's the same people, you know, and I think largely it's the same people doing the same job that they've always done. And, you know, I, I think that there's these perceptions of reporters that uh, maybe New York media is tougher on coaches and, uh, you know, maybe there's some, you know, I, I won't call out any particular groups because I'm really more focused on my own, but, um, you know, maybe it's some that are soft and too favorable to the team and, um, you know, bow to the team's wishes and act more as almost like a branch of public relations. And, you know, you really have to remember that the job of the media is to shine a light on maybe the things the organization doesn't want you to know about their struggles and to hold them accountable. And so, you know, I, I really think collectively the, the Lions beat group and there's only, you know, the media is, is describes what 75 people maybe that write or cover the team loosely, but the beat, the like core people that are there every day, it's only like six or seven of us. Um, you know, I think that we do our jobs very well. And, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but. Um, are you claiming you're you know, not a jerk, we, Justin? I mean, it's yeah. been 189 episodes here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying, but, but we asked what I think are the tough questions, but I think we, you know, at least from my own perspective, we try to ask them uh, appropriately without condescension, without um, conflict. And uh, do we always do a good job with that? No. Um, but I think part of the, the, the caustic nature of the relationship is it's a two way street. You know, I think there's a lot of um, negativity from the organization's, standpoint toward mm -hmm. media you know and i you know i don't want to maybe make too direct of a comparison but this is a this is a current environment where uh attacking the media is in vogue for half of the country you know we've got a president that is has made a living on uh, attacking people media members personally um and, and attacking it as fake anytime it's essentially negative. It's something he doesn't want to hear. And, um, you know, at some level, I think that strategy has, has spilled out to other elements of life, including sports. You know, when, when something is written about a team that they don't want to hear, even if there's a lot of truth behind it, you know, they, they look at it as negative. Well, sometimes the truth is negative. And with the Lions in particular, I mean, we can go, short into their history or we can go long into their history and unfortunately the the facts about the Lions organization are are mostly negative it's not the fault of the fans or the fault of the 
media, that's the fault of the organization falling short of expectations of what a sports team should accomplish reasonably over six decades. So, um, you know, currently there's a, a very Patriots mentality with, with the front office, with the coaching staff. Um, they, they treat every nugget and morsel of information as um, gold at Fort Knox. You know, they are very controlling of that information. They, you know, uh, people are, are threatened within the organization about leaking. Um, they have gone as far to threaten agents of players to not talk to the media with, you know, threats of basically uh, souring the relationship between the organization and those agents. Um, you know, I think it seems they, like they kind of talk would automatically hard. sour the relationship from the top of the conversation. Yeah. And, you know, and, and listen, and I'm going to be perfectly frank here. My paper ran a story on Matt Patricia um, and his past. I don't think anybody is able to avoid what that story was. Really? That, I that haven't there heard. Was a, yeah. So listen, um, that, that story was done completely independent of me. It was done by our news desk. Yeah. They stumbled upon the story when, or I'm sorry, they stumbled upon the indictment and the charge when they were doing research on basically whether he had bought a house in Detroit yet. And that's, that's where this really boiled down to. And then they, you know, that, that investigative reporter dug into it for a few months and wrote the story. And, um, you know, I, I think that hurt our relationship more than anything, even though it was a clear disconnect between who was reporting it and who reports on the Lions team daily. You know, that had nothing to do with the beat writers. You know, we had to handle all the follow up right. and follow fallout from that. But, you know, that, I think that really soured our relationship with Patricia from the start. And I, honestly, I don't know if it'll ever recover. But, well, and I guess that um, was the next question was whether or not there's a, a path to fixing that. <laughs> and, and, you know, as we all say, you know, winning, winning, you know, cures everything. Um, but not necessarily, Absolutely. but, but that would be more of a, between the fans and the coach coaches in the front office and things like that, as, as opposed to the media, uh, it, that might be a very, you know, uh, while the media, you know, acts as the intermediary between, you know, the fans and the team, uh, they don't necessarily have the same, you know, wants or objectives and 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 you know the, the this may have been you know the origin of where you and i got off on the wrong foot several years ago to begin with but i do i do fully understand it now i get it um uh, but it, it is there a way for them like you said is there any way that the media and the team ever come to a a positive relationship no it's i think it's a completely fair question you know i think end of the day um, our jobs are both the same. You know, their jobs are to win football games. Our job is accountability and truth. Um, but I think there can be a positive professionalism in the way that is done for all parties. And mm -hmm. um, like I said, the media is not totally free of blame. You know, I think sometimes professionalism is 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 lost maybe in the art of question asking or um, maybe a, a column. Um, that, you know, isn't fair in its criticism, um, you know, not again, not not naming specific names, but I think we all have our, our moments where we we lapse. But and then you have Patricia telling a reporter to sit up straight and respect the process when, you know, he's late to every press conference and wears sweatpants and doesn't shave. Like 
all these things, they don't really I bet you sit matter. up straight now, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm also in sweatpants, and Lord knows it's the off-season, so, I, you know, I only shave when I need to when I'm going out right. in public. But, like, listen, like, I, I don't know. I would. I don't know how it could be breached. I, I feel like there's no personal interaction. What, what used to happen in media was beyond the press conferences, there was more of a personal relationship with coaches and, and players. And I'm not saying like your buddy, buddy, and you went out for drinks, but you know, you'd be able to have these casual conversations maybe on the sideline or after the cameras were shut off and you, you really got to, to know each other. Or maybe they would invite reporters in their office to kind of work out, um, you know, some, some clarification on details and stories. Patricia has zero interest in that. You know, he, he just doesn't. Um, he, he walks up to the podium every day and he walks off that podium every day. And if you try to talk to him off of it, largely you just get ignored. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you, so, you, you think know, back to the well, old days, you think of the old days, and I guarantee you Mike O'Hare has had a couple of, not to couple of back with coaches over the years at the anchor bar. You know, you know, that's the truth, <laughs> it, right? It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, Hey, Justin, we've kept you on a long time, man. We appreciate all the time you gave us and uh, definitely uh, we, we need to do this more often. Maybe we can cut it down to, you know, a hundred episodes between, between meetings or, or maybe even better than that. Maybe we can talk about uh, the draft or something. Yeah, we'll we'll see what the reaction is to this one. I'm sure I'm going to hang up in case case is going to go on another rant. Yeah. Well, I was about to say. Um, so it, my one and only Twitter feud that I've ever ever had was with you, and and um, yes, I, I learned a lot from it. It was it was a very valuable uh, experience for me. Uh, I, I I I would like to think that I've grown a lot and that I've come to appreciate uh, you uh, specifically but also your profession in a way that I didn't necessarily before. And so I really just want to say thank you very much for uh, letting the past be the past and uh, coming to talk to us. So, Man, that was, that was really tender and emotional. And I appreciate that. Chris, <laughs> now just clear, Chris, clarify this for me. That, that means I won that internet argument, right? Oh, I guess, but we have to see when the yes. mics turn off. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you the, I'll give you the initial point, but there, there may still be a game to be played. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, fellas. Right, I really appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot, um, Justin. Yeah. Sorry it was such a, a long gap, but we'll yeah, we'll definitely do something in the nearer future. All right, brother. Be good. We'll talk All to right. you soon. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. Remember, this show needs your involvement. Use the comments in the subreddit to give us your feedback. We love it. That's what makes us the number one Detroit Lions podcast. Also, don't forget about us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast is a little as a dollar a month, but don't feel that's a cap. Gets you access to all the great stuff like the Slack chat, the most intelligent Lions chat in anywhere in the universe. And uh, that ain't no BS. And uh, the pre-show show stuff, that's great stuff. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, and on Twitter at D-E-T Lions podcast, D-E-T Lions podcast, the very best place to see Case Making Amends. <laughs> Give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us in the Lions line, 929-33-LIONS, it's 929-335-4667, and be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com, subscribe to the podcast so we can come in your box automagically. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions Podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit Connection. <laughs> Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. 
pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. Hey, Dean Blandino here, and I can tell you unequivocally that call was 100% wrong. Justin speaking. Justin speaking. It's Chris and Case. How you doing, man? Hey, Chris. How's it going, man? Oh, we're doing great. Fuck you, Case. Justin, my man. <laughs> how you doing? No, how's it going, fellas? <laughs> so great. <laughs> Chris, Chris paid me to say that, man. Yeah, I believe that.